getting paper on his player haters old news money on the other line so i'm not ladies and gentlemen welcome back i'm not gonna hold you episode five man we are here as usual i'm your host scott you can follow me on twitter and instagram at, at barb chair scott you can follow hnb media at hnb media tv you can follow them HMB Media on Instagram, and you can follow the Barber's Chat Network on Twitter and Instagram at Barber's Chat Net, and you can subscribe to the Barber's Chat Network Patreon at patreon.com backslash Barber's Chat Network. Of course, we got the five dollar summer session series. I mean, package if you just want to hear me, Pav, Damien, and my brother flows every week for summer sessions. Or if you want to get everything, including Cinema with the Guys, our WWE Top 25, and a whole bunch of other stuff, subscribe to the $10 Barber's Chair All-Access Package. But um, we are here, man. We got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on in the NFL, a lot of stuff going on with uh, the MLB, USA Basketball. But before we start that off, man, I want to get into my weekly sound off, man. This week, I want to sound off on all the backlash that Simone Biles has been getting in the media and well, the media, you know, Twitter, social media. It's been a lot of people who have been calling her weak because she decided to, you know, sit out of the, uh, the Olympics because of personal or uh, mental uh, things she's going through. Man, I just think it's pretty, uh, I think it's unfair to her. I think what we're seeing in, you know, this uh, current world that we're living in, we're seeing like more of a spotlight on mental health and not just things that, you know, regular people go through, but more of a spotlight on what these athletes are going through, man. It's a lot of stress, um, stress-filled situations, especially for somebody like Simone Biles, who might be the GOAT at what she does. And, you know, you see a lot of people coming out and say, oh, you know, if she had the mental fortitude, she would go out there and she would fight through it. She would go out there and compete anyway. And I think that's very, that's very, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? That's very, you know, risky to be talking about, man. Um, and I feel like we need to be talking more about this. And by the way, she doesn't owe anybody shit. Simone Biles doesn't owe anybody shit. We all know she's a GOAT at what she does. And if she needs some time, she needs some time. She doesn't need to go out there and prove anything. She's done it time and time again. And I just feel like we need to uh, be more, uh, I guess, mindful and more, uh, you know, pay more attention to what these athletes are going through. Um, we don't, we, I can only imagine the pressure she has going out there, representing herself, representing her family, representing the whole damn country, obviously, when it comes to, uh, you know, what she has to do in the Olympics. And it, it can be a lot, especially for her. She's a young girl, you know what I'm saying? She's very young. And I can't imagine having all that pressure uh, to go out there and perform consistently at the highest level. And I just feel like it's very irresponsible to call out. And I've seen people who say, well, you know, what would this is a soft era. What about Jordan? What about Kobe and guys like that? They would never fade under those pressures. By the way, we got to stop comparing people to guys who, you know, weren't really, you know, <laughs> that's a different mindset. But it's also bullshit at the same time because Michael Jordan left the game in 1993 because of mental issues. Like he needed a mental break. He was fatigued with everything going on, the weight of being the superstar, of being the guy who's carrying this league in that decade. And on top of all that, dealing with the murder of his father that happened right after he won his third championship. So we can't sit up there and say that he's never done that before because he clearly did that before. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like it's real unfair to her. And I want, I want her to know, I want, you know, that do your thing, whatever you got to do, how many, how long you got to take to get yourself 
together, fuck what everybody else is saying. Take care of you and take care of your mental. Because honestly, the most, you know, physical, you know, physical uh, issues, physical health is important, obviously. But your mental, your brain is probably the most important part of you. And if you're not all the right up there or you're going through things and we all go through things, we're all human and none of us have the pressure that she has that, you know what I'm saying? I hope she takes all the time in the world to get, you know, herself together and get into a place where she, you know, is happy and ready to compete again, man. You know, and then she can go out there and do the things that she's best at, man. So my love and support goes to Simone Biles and everybody else who's telling her, you know, that she doesn't, you know, that she's not tough enough. Y'all can all kiss, you know, kiss my ass, kiss her ass, kiss anybody ass, man, pretty much. And uh, yeah, so let's move on, man. We've got the rundown. We've got a lot of things going on. All training camps have reported. All camps have started as of Wednesday, July 28th. Um, you know, the Bears reporting. If you follow us, 79th and Hallis, my brother flows. he is uh, live from Hallis Hall, man. This is our first training camp that we've been covering. It's pretty dope. I want to support. I want to shout out to supporters because honestly, if it wasn't for you guys listening to our podcast this last six seasons, we wouldn't even fucking be here, man. And also, I want to give a big shout out to the homies Gene, the homies Terrence from the Bigs. Uh, there, we're also reporting on behalf of the Bigs too, man. So you know, uh, pay attention to that. 79th and Hallis, 79th A and D Hallis on Twitter. Follow us, man. We're gonna be dropping a weekly training camp update pod starting this weekend, man. So look out for that. Um, but yeah, every every uh camp has reported, but the big news, the big the big thing that everybody's been wondering is will Aaron Rodgers report to camp? I came on the show last week talking about it that he need to draw a line in the sand. He need to make up his mind on what he wants to do. And he finally did that. Uh, it was a lot of conflicting reports over these last couple of days. Over the weekend, there was a lot of reports of, hey, he might retire. You know, Vegas was anticipating, you know, him retiring. And, you know, Vegas knows a lot of stuff. So, you know, as a Bears fan, I got pretty excited. I was like, okay, this might actually happen here. But it all comes out that he has reported to camp. And, um, you know, let's, let's go into the details of his uh, agreement that he's got going on here uh, with the Packers, man. The, the, the new agreement they have is the 2023 year in Rogers contract, which is the last one in this current deal would be voided with no tags allowed in the future. Uh, the Packers would agree to review Rogers situation at the end of the season. Uh, Rogers contract will be adjusted with no loss of income to get the Packers more cap room. Now uh, mechanisms will be put in place to address Rogers issues with team and the Packers agreement to review the situation after the season implies that this team will trade Rogers if he still feels the way about the Packers culture and decision making. Now, Pat, uh, Aaron addressed the media. Now, of course, this is Thursday. You mean by the time you'll be watching this be Thursday. So he addressed the media on Wednesday and we'll get to those comments in a minute. But I just want to look at it from the Rogers perspective and from the Packers perspective here. Uh, I'm going to take my Bears hat off and just look at it from a non-biased perspective. I kind of feel like Aaron kind of did. I won't say he did it for nothing because at the end, I kind of, you know, feel like, you know, he got a little bit of what he wanted. But it's kind of like, okay, you kind of drug this a little bit. I kind of feel like if he really, really wanted to get out this year, that he would have sat out. He would have sat out. I'm not saying you got to retire, you know, or, you know, but make it kind of real. I kind of feel like Green Bay, you know, I don't really feel like anybody won. I kind of feel like it's the same situation. 
Rodgers still wants out. Green Bay is still moving like a fucking, you know, bottom organization. And by the way, Packer fans like to act like they're in the high class of organizations when they're really fucking not. They don't even really have any real ownership. You know what I'm saying? And so for you to go out there and to be moving like the Detroit Lions, when you've been gifted, you've been gifted your second Hall of Fame quarterback in 30 years, and you have not maximized this opportunity from him. You know, he's only been to one fucking Super Bowl in this whole time that he's been there. The whole 16 years he's been there, he's been to one Super Bowl, and that was 11 fucking years ago. So if you're Aaron, man, I kind of feel like, you know, it's like, okay, you came back, but what's what's the point? Like, And I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on this upcoming season. Now, let's get to the press conference today. The press conference that Aaron had, uh, we're going to roll a clip, a little, little audio clip from what happened in the press conference. This, 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 but he said a lot of things, but this one to me kind of stood out. Um, so I wanted to offer my services as a recruiter, you know, uh, and I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. And I felt like based on my years, uh, the way I can still play, that that should be a natural part of the conversation. Now, I'm going to say that I'm on Aaron Rodgers' side when it comes to this. Now, he said a lot of other things about this in this uh, press conference. He mentioned that it has not been stated to him that he can pick where he wants to go after this season, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, he also stated that he would like to come back to Green Bay if the situation is right. Now, to me, this all falls on the Packers here. The Packers are fucking up in this particular situation. I've never seen a, a, a press conference where a quarterback just goes scorched earth in the press conference after he agreed to come back. And to me, this kind of just looks like a situation where he's just there so he doesn't get fined, in the words of Marshawn Lynch, and literally say he doesn't get fined because the NFL is making it damn near hard to uh, sit out with these $40,000 a day fines. Now, granted, Aaron got the money, but even if you have the money that Aaron has, you you know you can't be missing almost $100,000 in two practices. That, that'll hit any type of man in his pocket. So... But to me, if you're Green Bay, there's no reason why you're not succumbing to his demands. Like, it should have never got to this point. Uh, it was also a quote he said earlier where he had a problem with uh, different receivers and different uh, players on the team over the last couple of years who, uh, who didn't make the, you know, who got cut from the roster or traded or let go and he didn't have any type of saying in that situation. And I feel like that's a problem. And And, and if you look at, uh, what he says here, he says, um, I feel like we have core players in our foundation, foundation in our locker room, high character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jody Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, John Coon, Brett Good, TJ Lane, Brian Balaga, Casey Hayward, and Micah Hyde. Guys who are exceptional players for us, great locker room guys, high character guys, many of them who weren't offered a contract at all or extremely low-balled or maybe, in my opinion, we're not given the respect on the way out of the guys, their status and stature and high character deserve. And so basically, he's upset with every move they've pretty much done over the last decade. And he says he didn't really care about the Jordan Love thing. I call bullshit on that. I call, call complete bullshit. If he cares about 
you know, different players. He definitely cares about you drafting his fucking replacement in the first round without talking to him at all. There was no type of communication there. And I feel like if you're the Packers, um, Aaron is basically telling you, yeah, I'm here, but if y'all fuck this up, I could be gone. To me, the ball is in Green Bay's court, and it should be a no-fucking-brainer. Give the man what he fucking wants. Now, of course, they traded for Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb will be coming back to the Green Bay Packers. Now, he hasn't had really any good season since he left Green Bay. He's only 31 years old. We're going to find out this season if, you know, life passed. I mean, if the game passed him by, if he's too old. Or maybe he just needed to be back with his guy, the guy who made him the receiver that he was. Now, I will say as a Bears fan, you know, Aaron, there's only two, there's two people in my entire sports life who have brought me the most pain is Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb. I get cold sweats in the middle of the night thinking about that route on fourth and eight. By the way, Chris fucking Conte, I still don't fuck with you. I still have problems with you. Extreme problems with you. But we're not going to get into the fourth and eighth thing. I'll be ranting all goddamn day about that. But if you're the Packers, you have to give him what he wants. You have to give him what he wants. And to me, you're putting way too much pressure on this season because Aaron Rodgers sounds like a guy like, I still don't fuck with y'all. And he even said the, uh, the relationship with the GM, Brian, Brian Gutekrist, that it's a professional situation. So it doesn't seem like there's really any resolution to this whole four-month drama that we've had since the draft. It just kind of feels like Aaron's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to play. I'm here for my teammates. And you know what I'm saying? And to go out there because I feel like I can play. He also said that he did um, consider retirement, but he felt like he was in great shape and he felt like he could still play. And it was a little different from Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers, but Brett Favre's comment about 15, 16 years ago when he said, uh, 16, 17 years ago when he said, I feel like I can play. I just don't know if I really want to. We all know how Brett Favre would change his mind consistently. Rogers sound like a guy like he wants to play, but he feels disrespected. And honestly, I'm on his side with this. I feel like he is being disrespected. And if you're the Packers, if I'm the Packers, I give him whatever he wants. This should not just be a one-year deal. You can't let the greatest quarterback in, you know, in your franchise history. I understand people say Brett Favre. Brett Favre has been to more Super Bowls. I get it. Aaron Rodgers is better than fucking Brett Favre. Let's just let's just cut the fucking shit. You can't let the greatest quarterback that you've had in your franchise history walk because you won't do him right. And I think the ball's in their court for him right now to see that. So it's going to be real interesting. You know, we're going to get into my top NFL storylines to watch later in this show. But this man, it's it's it's. And I, before I get that, I want to say, as a Bears fan, let me put my Bears hat on. So a lot of Packer fans in my mentions, in the 79th and Hallis mentioned saying, oh, well, y'all said he wasn't going to come back. It's going to be over. The Bears going to lose again. I'm putting like this, man. I'm happy he's back. I'm happy he's back. And I say I'm happy he's back because now we get to knock that motherfucker down ourselves. And like I said last week, I was 50-50 on it. I was 50-50 on wanting him to just ride into the sunset. But my competitive side was like, no, I want Justin Fields to knock him the fuck out. You know, they've been kicking our ass the last 16 years. But these have not been fair fights. Do I need to name the quarterbacks that he's gone against over the last 16 years? The Rex Grossmans, the, uh, the you know, the Caleb Haney's, the Jay Cutler's, the Mitchell Trubisky's, the Nick Foles. Okay, these are all trash fucking quarterbacks. And I'm, you know, I understand Justin is a rookie. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that he's going to go through rookie things, but I am very confident in this matchup of going up. So I want an opportunity to send Rodgers out on the right 
for for the Bears because one of my favorite Bears memories is knowing that in Aaron and, and Brett Favre's last game with the Minnesota Vikings, we knocked him the fuck out. We got him out of that fucking game. That's one of my favorite memories. I would love to do the same for Aaron Rodgers. So I say bring it on, bring Randall Cobb, bring all them motherfuckers so we can take him out all at the same time. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm counting down the days till week six, man. But uh, let's get into our next uh, NFL thing, NFL topic, man. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been the other big story during this offseason with a lot of uh, wild allegations, man, uh, claims of, you know, you know, harassment with these different uh, masseuse that he's been going to. And I think right now that the situation that – is going on in Houston is is honestly kind of kind of uh kind of disgusting, man. I feel like there's no reason for this guy to be able to practice, and of course he reported to practice today. Uh, he'll be able to do all type of things that are you know you know he really all 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 hands on deck. He can do he's not restricted to do anything. I just want to look at this NFL statement uh, regarding this ongoing and active review of allegation against Texas quarterback. Deshaun Watson, who remains eligible to fully participate in club activities. Uh, we are working cooperatively with the Houston Police Department in ensuring that the NFL's inquiry does not interfere with their investigation. As we continue to gather additional information and monitor law enforcement developments, we'll make appropriate decisions to consistent with the collective bargaining agreement and the personal conduct policy. At this time, there are no restrictions on Watson's participations in club activities and also According to Tom Pellicero of NFL Network, the NFL hasn't been given access to speak to many of the civil plaintiffs to the third parties who may have relevant in info. Police are still investigating, so no access to evidence yet. And the league investigators haven't spoken to Watson, usually their last step uh, in their process. Now, the problems I have with this, man, of course, now the earliest they'd be able to take this to court will be 2022, if I'm not mistaken, if they decide to press charges or whatever. I understand that you have to go through the due process. I get all that. But the same thing that's happening in the MLB with Trevor Bauer should be the same thing that should be happening to Sean Watson. He should be on the commissioner's exemplars right now and have be away from activity, away from the team until this shit gets resolved. There's no reason why he should be going out there. To me, it's a blatant disrespect to uh the victims uh, to really, honestly, it's a slap in the face to the team too. If I'm the Houston Texans, I wouldn't even want it. It's going to be a media circus there. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't want that type of drama when you're starting a new season, you're trying to get focused about this upcoming season for all that shit to be going on. He's going to be answering questions about this shit every day now. So I feel like they just need to put him on the exempt list and just get it all out the way. And I feel like or, or, or you know, he should not be, on that on that field right now and i just feel like the nfl as much as they're doing a good thing with the COVID rules and we'll get into that in a minute i think they're completely fumbling this and i feel like anything that involves women period the nfl usually fucking fumbles but i feel like they handled the Ray right situation and the fucking ezekiel Elliott shit better than this like i feel like they're just kind of uh ignoring this and just hoping it goes away and i have a problem with that and they really need to fix this mess before it becomes something that gets out of control now just because the nfl doesn't do anything it still uh remains to be seen if the texans themselves are going to do uh enough maybe they'll tell him to take a break from the team you know we're gonna have you sit out for a little bit 
until all this gets resolved. I just feel like it's just too much things that's up in the air right now, and they just want to act like nothing's going on. And I feel like that's irresponsible. And I feel like it's unfair to all the parties uh, involved in this, man. So uh, let's go on to the next uh, next uh, topic, the NFL. The NFL having strict COVID rules coming up this upcoming season. Now, last year, there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of tests. A lot of players had to sit out. I think we had like five uh, reschedulings uh, going on now. This season will be none of that. Now, this will be the first 17-game season in NFL history. There will be 18 weeks. And the NFL is flat out coming out. Roger Goodell. And the Player Association, by the way, the Player Association agreeing all this just tells you just, you know, how much, I guess, like, um, they're not on the same page. But basically, there's zero tolerance for people who are not vaccinated. And they said they will not be rescheduling any games. If there's a mass break, uh, breakthrough uh, diff- with these different teams, if there's a mass outbreak, they will not be using any weeks to reschedule these games. So, and not only that, the team that had the outbreak will forfeit the game and both teams will forfeit their paychecks. And that's where it gets crazy, right? Because, and we've had a lot of, I feel like NFL players have been doing the uh, who can be more stupid competition over the last couple of days since this rules came out. So of course, starting with DeAndre Hopkins saying they're forcing us to do this. And I don't know if I really want to play the game of football anymore. First of all, cut the shit. You got three fucking baby mamas. I'm pretty sure you're going to fucking play when it's time to pay that goddamn child support. You can't be missing out on checks, my brother. So that I call bullshit. You've got um, all these different other players. Of course, we know how Cole Beasley stands. He's been like the poster boy for the anti-vaxxers in the NFL. And I feel like it's going to be a lot of conversations in these locker rooms. And it's funny because you have all these players come out saying that, oh, we're being forced. You've been forced to do shit. They're giving you uh, your own decisions to do to decide what you want to do, but there will be consequences for that. And not only with your money being fucked up, you're fucking with other players' money. And I feel like it's going to force uh, these players to go out there and get vaccinated. We even had um, different players come out and say, oh, I took it. I don't want to take it, but, you know, I feel like I'm being forced to do it. And I got to give kudos to the NFL on this one thing only. Now, even though the NFL is my favorite league, it's definitely the most controversial league, the most I-don't-give-a-fuck league. I think Roger Goodell is the best villain in sports. So to see them actually care about this situation was shocking, but I like it. And I think this is something that needs to be adopted by the Major League Baseball, by, by the uh, NBA, by NHL. This is something I feel like will be good going forward and then if we also take a look at some of the guidelines uh that will be going on with the training camp uh proceedings uh here it says um let's see the nfl sent out this is also from tom pelicero nfl network nfl sent clubs updated training camp and preseason covert protocols including discipline for any player regardless of vaccination status who refuses to wear a tracking device we find fourteen thousand dollars six hundred fifty or refuses to submit a required virus test will be fined fifty thousand dollars protocols remain stiffest for unvaccinated players who must wear masks at all times while lifting in the weight room at walkthroughs at practice including warm-ups and stretching except when doing so will interfere with their ability to engage in athletic activity 
Um, the memo also clarified restrictions for unvaccinated players outside the facility, including bans on nightclubs, bars, sporting events, concerts, etc., all subject to a $14,650 fine for a first-time offense. Other protocol tweaks, unvaccinated players, unvaccinated and active players on the sideline must wear masks. Cardiac screening now only required in specific cases where player had moderate to severe symptoms. Entry tests, testing cadence shortened from five days to two for unvaccinated players and tier half staff. And all of these protocols were jointly agreed upon between the NFL and the NFL PA. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's uh, no tolerance. I think it's going to help. And I think the big thing here is Roger Goodell is like, I'm not losing the fucking money that I lost last year. I think it was reported the NFL lost like $3 billion or something in that range, which is a tremendous loss. They had nobody in the fans. I mean, well, some some crowds, you know, some crowds we had, uh, some some teams who had crowds. Of course, we know the Super Bowl had crowds, but Rod's, Big Rod is going full in. He's like, fuck it, y'all ain't fucking my money up. And I think one thing that these football players forget is the NFL don't give a shit. It's not about you. It's about the shield. <laughs> and if you fucking up the Shields money, we're going to get you the fuck out of here. And we're going to replace you with other guys. And there's been a lot of questions, you know, in these uh, training camp press conferences and asking these players, have they been vaccinated? And there's been players who come out and say, oh, what's between me and the team? You know, I know Carson Wentz said that. Uh, Allen Robinson said that. And I feel like it's kind of irresponsible because it's like, look, dog. This is important questioning to figure out where your team is at as far as the vaccination pro protocol, because it can fuck you up in the long run. And I feel like, you know, everybody acting like it's something that is just a personal thing. It's a, and always with the HIPAA violation. I don't even know what the fuck HIPAA means. Like, I've never seen, you know, and I know we like to make jokes to say, oh, it's about CTE. And that could be because. But honestly, just a lot of NFL players are fucking stupid. Like, they, you know, they're just fucking idiots. And I think the most irresponsible quote I've seen over these last couple of days comes from TJ Ward, who's played for the Denver Broncos. By the way, it's not in the fucking league anymore. So I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. When uh, audio came out of Washington football head coach Ron Rivera, my man, Riverboat Ron from the 1985 Bears, of course, uh, came out and voiced his uh, disappointment with uh, Washington still not reaching the 85% vaccination uh point and especially he's a cancer survivor he's a cancer survivor so it affects him more and it just feels like he felt if his team his team knowing this situation that they'll be more proactive in getting vaccinated and we had tj Ward come out and say don't blame the players because you made irresponsible decisions as a youth and i this that's some bullshit to say first of all no he didn't choose to fucking get cancer you know what I'm saying? We have all these high paid, some of the best scientists on planet Earth, and they still don't know where the fuck cancer comes from. And he has a, and he has also on top of that, he has skin cancer, dumbass. And then, and, and not only that, they're doubling down on the stupid. And it's just fucking ridiculous. And this is just the tip of it, man. This is just the tip of it. We're going to see this conversation happen throughout the season, man. It's going to be something that's going to, that we have to monitor. Um, I wonder who's going to be the first team who's going to forfeit a game and forfeit the check. And it's going to cost them in the playoff positioning. That's going to be, because you know, what's going to happen. It's the NFL It's going to fucking happen. It's going to be some dumbass team who's going to do it. So I'm interested to see that, man. So my props out to the NFL on handling this. I think it's very good. And I hope other leagues adapt to it, man. Uh, let's get into my top NFL storylines, man. Uh, there's a lot of things going on with this season. By the way, as a football fan, anybody knows I love all types of sports. But football is my favorite. 
Football is my favorite sport by far. It's the most entertaining league. And I feel like this offseason was just longer than usual. I don't know why. But so I'm just glad that we're finally back. We're getting into the swing of things. We got camp starting. We got preseason starting in like two weeks. It's a very, very fun time to be an NFL fan. So I'm going to nom- name off my top four NFL storylines heading into the season. This is strictly on the field, nothing off the field. So I won't be in- including the corona like we just talked about or the Deshaun Watson situation. I'm going to go number one with the Real Housewives of Green Bay. Like we said earlier, everything that's been going on with Aaron Rodgers in this situation, this is kind of a ain't no kind of this is a make or break season for the Green Bay Packers. And I know that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been doing a little last dance thing, and I think that's corny. It's corny because you got to dance first to dance last. Okay, yes, Aaron Rodgers has a a Super Bowl, but that was eleven years, and damn sure wasn't with Devontae Adams. Everybody who was on that championship team is either retired or on another fucking team. So you never dance with these motherfuckers to get, begin with. So don't do a last dance for Packer fans who claim they hate Chicago. Y'all sure been riding our dick when it comes to everything Last Dance involved. You've seen, I've seen weirdo Packer beat writers making Last Dance shirts out of the Green Bay stuff. Get off our sack. Now, we, we, we understand you want to be us, but stop it, man. There's no damn Last Dance. This is maybe the final ride. That could be a better uh, word that you could use. A final ride for y'all to jag in the playoffs again, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure here. We already can see from the quotes that I played earlier, the quotes I read from his press conference, that he still doesn't really fuck with the Packers. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen if they get a three or four game losing streak. What's going to happen if maybe the locker room is starting to have a little turmoil because they know A-Rod's got one foot in and one foot out. You know what I'm saying? What if the Packers management continues to be on that bullshit and they don't give Rodgers what he wants? They don't include him in these discussions for maybe mid-season additions and going forward. This could be something that could be catastrophic. Now, it could go great for the Packers. Maybe this maybe this rejuvenates them and they go on a run and they finally win their first Super Bowl in over a decade. Maybe they flame out. I'm going to put as they're going to flame out. I think this is you don't want there's already regular pressure when it comes to NFL storylines for contenders. Obviously, this is a team that went to back to back NFC championship games, got destroyed two years ago against the San Francisco 49ers, lost a very close game last year to the uh, eventual champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of bad uh, management by uh, Matt LaFleur. Then and also I'm not going to let Rodgers off the hook. He had three opportunities. Three opportunities. They they picked off the Packers defense picked off Tom Brady three times in that second half. And they got how many points? Zero. Zero points. So it's not just on the floor. It's on Rodgers, too. So it's a lot of pressure. I'm I'm interested to see where this is gonna go. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna keep my bias hat on. I hope they fucking fail. You feel me? I hope they fucking fail. Like they say, like 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 uh Russell Crowe once said, I will get my vengeance. I probably fucked that quote up. I don't care. I will get my vengeance either in this life or the next. And I am praying. And I can't wait. It's going gonna, it's gonna to taste like fucking victory when they fucking fall flat on their faces. So that's my number one storyline, the Real Housewives of Green Bay. Now let's go to number two, repeat in Tampa. And by the way, we want to say ever since Tom Brady got to Tampa Bay, Florida, they have become the city of champions. They won the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back cups. Back-to-back cups. 
And it feel like the whole type of vibe is there because of the GOAT. And now the, the thing is, can they do it again? Can they be the first repeat team in the NFL in over this time will be 17 years? Can they do that? Who was the last team to repeat in the in the Super Bowl? Let me think about it. Oh, it was Tom fucking Brady in the New England Patriots. So if there's anybody who knows how to repeat, it's Tom Brady. And on top of that, Tom Brady they have they returned all their starters. Everybody's back. AB's back. Mike Evans is back. That stack defense is back. And they're gonna have this is their, they're gonna have a full training camp, unlike last year. They're gonna be in the in the buildings. And look at the landscape of the NFC South. Drew Brees is gone. The greatest stat patter of them all. Drew Brees is gone. Are you, are you think Tom Brady's scared of fucking Jameis? Think he's scared of that that fucking uh I don't even, I don't even, what's the <laughs> I, I'm I'm having a blank on what the other Saints quarterback name is, man. Let me give me a second here. Uh what's the oh yeah, uh Taysom Hill. How do I forget about that? Taysom Hill, that fucking government experience, Taysom Hill, who by the way only gets all this type of love because he's white. If he was black, they would not be saying, Oh, he's a he's a Swiss army knife. So you think you're scared of Taysom Hill and James Jameis Winston? I think not. Let's go on to Carolina. What do they have in Carolina? They got fucking uh What's, what's my man's name? I, 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 like I said, if y'all if y'all follow me, y'all know I'm I'm bad at names. <laughs> I'm very bad at names. Uh, who they? Oh, Sam fucking Donald. Sam Donald. Think you scared of Sam Donald? No, I wouldn't be Sam, scared of Sam Donald. The Falcons? Scared of Matt Ryan running it back? Absolutely not. To me, this is a a, a prime a prime time. I think they're gonna run right through the NFC South. You know, last year was a battle between them. And the Saints. The Saints actually won a division. People might forget. Saints actually won a division. The Buccaneers are one of the wild cards. So I think that they have a very, very good chance. If right now they are my preseason pick to come out the NFC. Um, the NFC is is I don't think is a stack as, as as past years. I think the power is definitely in the a, in the AFC. Of course, you've got you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They'll be back. The Browns and the Bills. What are the Ravens gonna do? The Steelers got one more run in them. I think it's kind of a two man race right now between the Buccaneers and King Green Bay. Actually, you know, get there again. So I think that's something to watch. The number two thing can you repeat. Will we have our first repeat in over seventeen years? And Tom Brady sounds focused. I don't know about y'all, but I saw that interview he did with uh with with Dan Patrick, and he sounds like he's ready. And one thing about him and one thing about the greats, they make these narratives in their head. You know, oh, I'm going to do it again. I feel disrespected. You know, the, my favorite ring is the next ring. So if anybody can do it, it's Tom Brady, man. So that would definitely be my second uh, storyline to watch in the NFL. Third one, man, we just talked about it, Cleveland and Buffalo. Is Cleveland and Buffalo going to make that leap? That is that is the question. You know, they both made good playoff appearances last year. Can they take that leap? Can Josh Allen go to the next level? Can Baker Mayfield, now they've got Odell Beckham back healthy. They've got their team back. Can they take it to the next level? Can they actually make it to the Super Bowl? Can they slay the beast that is Patrick Mahomes? And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on both of them too because last year I feel like they were the fun stories. You know, Cleveland making the, uh, the playoffs for the first time and whatever, you know, Buffalo winning division, which was the first time we had somebody not named the New England Patriots win the division in almost like 20 fucking years. So now all eyes are on them. They have to take that next leap, and specifically eyes on Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do. 
I have way more faith in Buffalo. I, I just love Buffalo's defense. Um, I love Buffalo. I like Josh Allen. Of course, everybody who listens to my two minute drill podcast, I was not a fan of him. I was not a fan of him whatsoever, but he gained my respect last season. Uh, I love you know the pairing with him and Stefan Diggs. I think it's one of the best one two punches in the league. And I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm not as sold on the Cleveland Browns. And I say that because there'll be more eyes on them. And also, I'm just not that big of a Baker Mayfield fan. I don't think he's bad. But I definitely don't think he's nothing to run home about. And I also want to see how their offense is going to be with Odell Beckham back. Because I feel like the offense flowed a little better without Odell in the lineup. Now, that's not saying that they're a better team without Odell. I don't want to say that. That's a ridiculous thing to say. They're not a better team with one of the greatest wide receivers in the game. But I feel like uh, a lot of times Baker likes to force it to him instead of opening the offense. They had one of the best running games in the league last year. But they're in stacked division. What is Steelers going to do? They got that criminal. Ben Roethlisberger back. What's he going to do? You know, this. What's how, is, is Baltimore going to bounce back? So I feel like they're in a tougher division. The Bills pretty much have, you know, a cakewalk to get to the playoffs. You know, Patriots, even though the Patriots got a really good defense, um, kudos to Bill Belichick with that again. You know, you don't know what you're going to get uh, from that, uh, you know, from their quarterback situation with, uh, you know, you've got Cam Newton. And he's going to be in a battle. And so we don't really know what you're going to get from there. Miami. The, the, the jury's still out on tour. I don't know. I, 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 as a guy who's seen trash quarterbacks his entire fucking life, there's one thing I know. Trash quarterbacks. And I don't know if, if, if Tua is trash, but he's definitely trash adjacent. So I don't know how much you can really depend on him. So to me, they got a nice little golden road to getting uh, a first round bye. So that is something that I think is going to be a lot of eyes on. What can Cleveland and Buffalo do, man? So I'm really excited to see that. Um, let's go to my next storyline that we've got going on here, man. We've got our last one, our last storyline. Of course, this is going to sound a little biased for me, but Justin Fields. Now, this is the first time in a long time, maybe first time ever as a Bears fan. Well, I don't really care about the record this season. I don't care. I don't really have a prediction on what the team will be. Uh, this is the, to me, this team can be one of two things. I feel like this team can be very, very good and surprise a lot of people. If Justin has a great year, if Matt Nagy finally looks like the offensive guru that we hired him to be, if the defense looks aggressive like they did in 2018, with now uh, Sean Desai being their new uh, defensive coordinator. But it's all my eyes on, on number one. Uno, El Capitan, Justin Fields. That's all I care about this season is his progress. Now, Andy Dalton is projected to be the starter. Now, one thing I always say on Twitter, on the 79th House podcast, Matthew Nagy is full of shit, and he's a fucking liar. So I don't, I don't pay attention to anything he says, even though he's had some very interesting quotes in his presser, his opening presser for training camp. We said, Justin has impressed us. He's been here uh, pretty long. You know, he stayed in. He's first one in, last guy out, which is hilarious because a lot of people, <clears throat> Dan Orlowski, uh, said that he wasn't one of those guys. How? What's his work ethic like? And by the way, shout out to Pat McAfee. I'm glad Pat McAfee called Dan Orlowski out on his show this week about uh, the bullshit he was saying in the Aaron Rodgers situation. I really, really like that. We got to start calling people out for bullshit that they say. Um, but, yeah, uh, and he kind of left the door open for Justin to start. So I'm interested to see what that's going to do. So I feel like the pressure is on Justin Fields, but he's a guy who I feel like pressure is not going to phase him. So 
What's he going to do? Is he going to go out there and have a breakout season? Will he be able to start right away and, 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 you know, and lead this team to where we hope he can lead them to? Now, of course, he's a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs. Everybody can't beat Patrick Mahomes and come out here with that 50-touchdown season to win MVP. Shit just like that just don't happen. But all eyes on his progress, and I feel like that's a, a top-four story in the league because he has a chip on his shoulder. You know, for anybody who has eyes, he was at worst the number two prospect quarterback-wise in this draft. There's no reason he should have dropped us. I'm thankful. I thank the good Lord above that he dropped us, but there's no reason he should have dropped us. I think he's more quarter, more NFL-ready than Trevor Lawrence. But at the very least, he's number two. So that's going to be something we're going to watch about his progress, and I think those are the top four storylines heading into this NFL season, man. So I am excited about that. Um, let's get into USA basketball, man. Now, before we uh talk about this, I want to preface this with I don't really give a shit about the USA about the Olympics. Um, my hate for certain players. Now, there's not nobody on this team. I'm just giving y'all a little backstory on my whole USA basketball, you know, uh, view from when I've been watching basketball. I don't really care. You know, you're not gonna force me to root for players that I don't fuck with just because we're from the same fucking country. Not my thing, but with this particular instance, man, they're one and one in uh, Olympic play. Uh, had a good uh, win against Iran the other night. Nice little blowout dub. Nice games from Damian Lillard and Zach Levine. Uh, they lost the first game. A lot of, there was a lot of panic buttons going on, and you know, of course, me and Pavy talked about this not just last week, but also on hoops and brews that America has, you know, has it, taken maybe a step back a little bit because the rest of the world, the dream team's dream is actually being realized now. You see all these great talents from different countries and they've stepped the game up. And, you know, like Damian Lillard also said this week, they play a little differently uh, when they're going against the USA. You know, we say we seen uh, Fournier the other day having a, a night that he don't have when he's in the NBA. You know, it's kind of like that Bradley Bill and John Wall clip. I ain't never, ever seen you act like this before. That's every time that they go against the U.S. And I think it's it should be a mix of both. Uh, I do feel that the world is taking strides to get closer to the U.S. as far as being better and being more competitive. But you also got to look at it like this, too. This was not – if you look at some of the best players the NBA has to offer – a lot of them ain't playing. Steph Curry's not playing. Kawhi Leonard's not playing. Uh, Anthony Davis isn't playing. LeBron James isn't playing. So I think we got to take that into effect too. This team wouldn't be, this team would be probably running through cats if they had those guys on this team. So yes, I think it's that. And also they just didn't do a good job putting this team together. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, a number, a lot of player two ass players on this team. A lot of player two ass dudes on this team. And, not a lot of vets. And most important thing is there's no fucking point guard. And what I mean by there's no point guard, there's no actual point guard who can go out there and set these guys up. It's like they just put a whole bunch of miscellaneous motherfuckers on this team. It's like, hey, go win gold. So I think it's something we got to look at it from that perspective. You know, you know, zoom in, uh, zoom out a little bit and just look at it. It's not just the world has gotten better. We ain't got some of our best guys. So I feel like if they'd have put a better team together, it wouldn't be as sketchy. Now, with all that being said, I'm in the minority. I think the USA basketball team will still get gold. I still think they'll find a way to get gold. Uh, they are deeper team than they were when they were doing the exhibition games. Of course, they've got 
uh, the new NBA champions uh, of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had a big game the other night. And Devin Booker. And by the way, I want to salute Devin Booker because Devin Booker, you are a better man than me, my brother. Look, if I'd have got my ass kicked in the finals, last thing I'd have been doing is get on a plane with the motherfuckers I just lost to 48 hours later. I'd have been, yo, I'm, my, my, my throat is itching. I got I got corona. I'm finna sit it out. That's wild. Ain't no, ain't no way in hell. So I want to salute him for being a better man than me. There's no way in hell I'd have went out there and fought for my country after just losing the damn finals. But I think it's a mix of both. Um, Y'all tell me how it goes, because I will not be watching that shit. Uh, that shit comes on way too damn early. I live on the West Coast. I'm not waking up 4, 5 o'clock in the morning to watch anything. I'm really not. So, yeah, man, that's my thoughts on USA basketball. Now, our last topic before we get into my Goofy Mog of the Week. Interesting Goofy Mog of the Week, too. want to shout out that person for giving me that, because I had no Goofy Mog of the Week till last night. Um, but we're going to talk about the end of the Chicago Cub era, the potential end of the Chicago Cub era. Now, of course, if you follow me on Twitter, listen to my podcast, y'all know I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard Chicago White Sox fan. By the way, Rick Hahn, you listen to me and you listen to me good, motherfucker. Listen to me. You better. By the time this fucking show comes out, there better be a fucking trade or something in the works. You understand me? We better not get to 1 p.m. Pacific time on Friday afternoon and you don't address this bum-ass bullpen. We better not get here and Lori Garcia or Danny Mendick is the second base. That better not happen. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you do that, you will feel my wrath. You will feel my wrath on this show, on Twitter. I might come up to Chicago and boycott. I might yell outside your damn office. I know what the office is at, brother. I know. Do the fucking deal. But anyway, I'm a Doha White Sox fan, but the Chicago Cubs are the number one team in Chicago. I will not. I'm not. I'm one of the rare cases of Sox fans who's not really jealous of the Cubs. There's a lot of Chicago White Sox fans who have envy or little brother syndrome to the Cubs. It's really simple as this. When you're the first team in the city, you're going to be the most popular. We see it with any with any type of city with multiple teams. The Yankees are the Kings of New York, not the Mets. The Dodgers are Kings here in L.A., not the Angels. It, it just goes on like that. It is what it is. I don't give a shit about what the Cubs do. My beef is with the Cub fans. That's who my beef is. The actual team has never done anything to me. And we're coming out of an era of the greatest era in Chicago Cubs baseball history. This is a team that was nothing before the god Theo Epstein got there in 2010, 2011 and built that roster from the ground up, trading for a first baseman that nobody fucking heard of in the San Diego Padres organization, which was Anthony Rizzo, drafting the number one draft pick, Chris Bryant. You know what I'm saying? Getting guys who nobody, you know, guys like Javi Baez, you know, Addison Russell, even though he's a piece of shit and I'm glad he's out the fucking league. Fuck Addison Russell. Um, and just all the guys that they accumulated to go out there and the run that they had has been incredible. You know, from 2015 up into now, they made the playoffs every year but two. Uh, they went, they won the World Series, coming back 3-1 in that World Series. Now, that was a great World Series, and I really had no, no uh, horse in the race because I hate the Cleveland, well, they, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, which is their new name. I hate the Cleveland Guardians as much as I don't like the Cubs. I honestly, when I was watching that World Series, I wanted Bane to show up. Like, remember from the Dark Knight Rises, we showed up and they were shooting at Heinz Field and it was Gotham Field and everything blew the fuck up. That's what I wanted to happen in 2016 World Series. But I digress. 
Uh, he built that up. They won a World Series. They went to two more NLCSs. They made the playoffs. One division pretty much every year but one. Very, very impressive run. And I think it is a sad state of affairs that they're letting these guys who help build this team just walk. Now, of course, when you hear this, when you're watching this, the trade deadline will still be going on. There's no guarantee that they will just sell everybody. Now, there will be trades. I think the two most likely to go are Craig Kimball and Chris Bryant. Anthony Rizzo is 50-50, and I think they're going to keep Javi Baez. But it should have never got to this position. It should have never got to this position. First of all, Chris Bryant has had a beef with this team since the day he got called up because they held him back a month for arbitration rules. And he had a big issue with that. And, of course, he's a Scott Boris guy. Everybody knows Scott Boris don't play with teams that fuck with his clients. And that was mistake number one. They should have did. They should have set the standard, kind of like what the White Sox do now, where they give big deals to their prospects so they don't have to stay in the minors too long. That was mistake number one. You should give Chris Bryant a blank fucking check. Now, I just want to say Cub fans don't deserve Chris Bryant. I know all y'all kissing his ass right now because it looked like he might be gone. But if I had if I had a dollar of every argument I've had with a Cub fan who acts like I'll trade Chris Bryant for the last three seasons, he's always getting hurt. Well, there's a reason he gets hurt because he's playing like six positions. So it should have never got to. Should have gave him a blank check. You know what I'm saying? Anthony Rizzo is the modern day Mr. Cub. Now he shouldn't be going anywhere. Javi Baez is one of the most exciting players in baseball. I like to compare him to Russell Westbrook because he does a lot of smelly shit. But there's nobody more electrifying. Outside of like Fernando Tatis and maybe Otani, I feel like in this game than Javi. Javi's walk off against Amir Garrett the other night, maybe the greatest walk off I ever seen. And it's a shame that they're letting this core just walk. And it's the end. Whether it's at the deadline, whether it's at the end of the season, they offer them a qualifying offer, and we know they're going to turn it down just to get a couple assets back. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. The Cubs are the last organization on planet earth to be calling broke y'all got money out the ass wrigley field is packed every day y'all one of the most popular fans franchises of sports this should be a no fucking brainer and do i feel bad for Cubs fans absolutely not absolutely not most of them are dicks so i have no i have no i'm not feeling bad for cubs fans but i do think as far as being a fan of sports it's a slap in the face, man. It's a slap in the face, and I feel like it's a real shame. They're just letting this shit. They're letting this shit in. I'm not saying that you shouldn't retool the team, and that you know I'm. They've had a problem hitting for like four seasons now, so I'm not saying keep the status quo, but definitely keep your best players when you have the money to pay them. And I just think it's a shame, man. And it's not a shame on Jed Hoyer because you know Jed Hoyer just took over as GM this year. You know he does what ownership wants him to do. It's on the Ricketts. It's on Tom Ricketts and the Ricketts family for just letting this go. And I know a lot of Cubs fans who told me personally that, of course, they'll never stop watching the Cubs. They'll never stop supporting the Cubs. But they're not really going to fuck with them as heavy as they were just because of how they're treating these guys. And I think as a fan of baseball, fan of sports, it's fucking ridiculous. But with that being said, as a White Sox fan, as my man Dave Sprell shit, tough break, nigga, there's always FUBU. Anyway, let's go on to the Goofy Mog of the Week before we wrap this one up, man. I'm going to give my Goofy Mog of the Week to the Mariners general manager, Jerry DePito. Now, I might have pronounced his last name wrong. I don't know if it's DePito or DePito, whatever. Jerry. Uh, for trading their closer, Kendall Graverman, to not only did they trade him, in the midst of 
the greatest run of Seattle Mariner baseball that we've seen in 20 years. This team is a game out of the second wild card. Nobody expected them to be here with a very, very exciting young core, a very black young core at that too. A lot of exciting players on that team. And they had an amazing comeback win on Tuesday night, coming back from being down 7-0 against the Houston Astros to come back a uh, big grand slam to come back and win that game. And Graverman had part in closing that door in the eighth and the ninth inning. Not only do you trade him, it kind of feels like a white flag. You trade him to the enemy. You trade him to your division rival, the team you just beat, the Houston Astros, who are a legit contender right now. You trade him over there and just completely fucking up the vibe in your locker room. And on top of that, let me give you some stats. Kendall Graverman is 4-0 this year in 30 appearances. He has a 0.82 ERA and has converted 10, sale, 10 saves out of 12 save opportunities. That is great. And you just gave him to your division rival. And there's been a lot of quotes here, man. A lot of quotes going on. This is from the Seattle Times of different players felt it was uh, disingenuous for them to trade a team leader like Raverman at such an emotional time without offering some explanation for it in person. They found out he got traded on social media. And one player said of the GM, he hasn't come down here. He sits up in his suite playing fantasy baseball and rips apart our team without telling us anything. Another player via text said no one has earned a thing. And later text, I've seen a lot of teammates walk out the door, but this one hurts the most, and it's the most fucked up. This team deserves an explanation. Of course, that is from the Seattle Times. And to me, it's you know they try to make it up with getting Tyler Anderson from the Pirates, which is a good trade. But if you're going to buy and get you a, a good starter like Anderson, not trading your closer makes even less sense now. So I don't get that. I understand they want to look at it as a long-term thing and try to uh, execute – and, you know, get as much as you can for a talent like Raverman. But when you got this good mojo going on, you got a team that had everything going right and you change morale that quickly, you're waving a white flag and you're telling the players, we don't give a fuck. And I think that's a very wrong message to be sending out to that team. And I'm interested to see how it's going to play in the second half. I mean, they're only a game out. They're going to be in a race with Oakland. Now, Oakland beefed up their team. They got Starlin Marte from the uh, Miami Marlins. And so that's going to be uh, interesting to see. And that's going to be a nice little competition. And this might be something that took, you know, the, you know, the air out of the team. So I'm really interested to see how it's going to do. But my week, my good week is to that man, Seattle Mariners general manager, man. So that's all we've got for Ball on Live this week, man. I appreciate y'all for supporting and listening and watching this podcast every week, man. Uh, hopefully we'll be back in the studio soon. Um, but you know where to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bob Chair Scott. You can follow HMB Media, HMB Media TV on Twitter. On Instagram, it's HMB Media. You can follow the brand, the Barber's Chat Network, at Barber's Chat Net on Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chat Network. Man, y'all enjoy the NBA draft tonight. I don't really have that much to say about that besides Detroit. Don't trade that pick. Don't trade. I, I think Cunningham's going to be a stud. And if you're Detroit, you need some you need, you need a superstar. You need a superstar. And if all the reports come out and check out, he will be a superstar. And there's a reason why OKC wants to give up such a big haul for them, man. So don't fall for the Okie Doke, even though as a team of you, my division, wouldn't care if you did. That would help us a lot. But don't fall for the Okie Doke, man. Get that K Cunningham. So watch the, in, the uh, NBA draft. Have fun. Enjoy Enjoy these pennant races heating up, man. I will be back next week. We out.
on the other line, so I'm not gonna hold you. Money on the other line.